Frente were one of the bright early lights of the Australian alternative explosion of the 90s. They were a breath of fresh air in the era of heavy guitars. They were hugely successful for a moment, but they ended up being trapped in that moment. Regardless, they made some of my favourite music of the decade, including one perfect album, by going against the grain of grunge and making something more beautiful. This is Just Ace, a podcast about the 90s Australian alternative music scene, whatever the hell that means. And this episode, we look at the band Frente. I have not talked enough about Melbourne. Sydney is Australia's largest city. Melbourne, a thousand kilometres away and a good 10 hours drive away, is only a little bit smaller, but it is without question a bigger city for music and the arts. Tex Perkins was once asked what advice he had for young musicians in Australia, and his answer was, move to Melbourne. Sydney, however, is where the music industry mostly ended up in Australia. The head offices of most of the major music companies, major touring companies, and industry agencies are all based in Sydney. There were heaps of good labels in Melbourne, such as the huge Mushroom Records, or indies like Agogo, but they were exceptions, not the rule. Because of that, most of the A&R people in Australia are based in Sydney, and a lot of bands move to Sydney to get noticed. This also happens in places like London and Los Angeles and New York. People move to those cities to make it, whatever that means. Then there are the great music cities that don't have large music industries. The scene for a city that pops up because bands want to play and people want to see them. And often those bands get a chance to develop and find their voice in a way not available to bands in music industry capitals like Sydney, London, New York or LA. Look, it's a huge generalisation, but if you're a band in Sydney, chances are you get scooped up and put into the sausage maker before you work out who you are, or you make a dodgy first impression and you won't recover. If you don't live in Sydney, you avoid that first pitfall and you get more chance to figure out who you are, but it takes a little longer to make it if anyone notices you at all. What that ultimately means is that Melbourne bands, in a big generalisation, get to be a little weirder and wilder. Especially in the early 90s, when a dozen different genres were vying for the alternative audience and a lot of people were just trying things to see what would stick. The Punners Club in Melbourne's super-hip suburb of Fitzroy is one of many important pubs that helped support the new scene. Not to take away from the pub's hard-working staff, founders, booking agents and supporters, but the Punners Club happened to be at the right place at the right time. Right time in that it opened in 1987, and they were an early supporter of local and original music just as it was taken off in Australia in a new way. Right place being Brunswick Street, one of the coolest streets in Australia. With plenty of cafes, record stores, restaurants, bookstores and bars, the Punners Club was just one of many great venues to exist on that street over the years. Lots of bands played the Punners Club, and it was an important stomping ground for up-and-coming bands in the early 90s. Many Melbourne bands we will talk about like Tism, The Foves, The Luxmiths and The Underground Lovers would make that place their home. Coupled with a strong community radio scene and lots of other venues nearby, Melbourne at the start of the 90s was a good place to be in a band. As you can imagine, in a place like the Punders Club, the staff was full of aspiring musicians. Simon Austin, who worked at the Punders Club as a member of the bar staff, was one of them, and in the late 80s he was looking to form his own band. Simon at the time was a very talented guitar player and an aspiring songwriter. He needed a singer and asked around. One of his fellow bar staff, Becky Hart, suggested her younger sister Angie. Angie Hart was 16 and had a great voice. 
In fact, Simon had met her already. He'd had to kick her out of the punters club a few times for being underage. Angie Hart was born in Adelaide, but grew up in a Christian commune in Hobart, Tasmania for the first 10 years of her life. Communes were a bit of a thing in Australia in the early 70s. And for those who don't know, Tasmania is part of Australian sovereign land, but is a small island off the southeast away from the mainland. It's beautiful, but it's isolated. Those years for the Hart family were spent hidden away from the world at large. That ended when the family followed their church to Melbourne, Australia's second largest city. Angie was 10 at the time, and it was a culture shock. Then, a few years into their new lives, Angie's parents got divorced, and suddenly they were out of the church's protective circle. Angie and her older sister Becky went looking for a new way of life, and they found it at the Punters Club. Becky started working there, and Angie just hung out and played pool. In 1988, Simon Austin asked Angie to join his new band. Simon was six years older than Angie. He was an extrovert and a show-off, whereas Angie was shy and closed her eyes when she sang. Along with Tim O'Connor on bass and Mark Picton on drums, they formed Frente. Typing Frente into Google Translate, the automatic language detection says it is Spanish and that it means front, which is what the band said it meant in the early days. Just nice to confirm with technology. I don't think there was anything deep about the name. And yes, it is weird that the first three bands that I've chosen to devote a whole episode to in this podcast have songwriters named Simon. Frente tread the boards as the 80s turned into the 90s, playing often in Melbourne and often at the Punters Club. They were an odd group of all different backgrounds and ages. At times it looked like all four members were in different bands. Yet, it worked, and they found support from the local scene, most of whom were their friends. Initially, everyone wrote songs, with Simon and Angie usually writing songs together. As their songwriting relationship developed, so did a romantic relationship. Their songs were cute, folksy, twee and innocent. Definitely not rock. Definitely not Radio Birdman or Nick Cave. Their first work was a self-released EP called World, which came out in 1991. The recording was paid for by money made gigging around Melbourne. The single, Labour of Love, was a gorgeous, fragile acoustic number that garnered Triple J airplay, which was newly national. They would re-record it for their first album, but here's Labour of Love by Frente, the original version, first released in 1991 on their independent EP, World. Shot. 
To make the point of the band's quirky image, they added a large cartoony exclamation mark on the end of their band name on the cover of the EP for World. That exclamation mark stuck, and whether that damn exclamation mark is actually part of their name has been a long debate, especially later when the band's quirky image became a curse. Still, the EP did well, and of course the labels came a-calling. Ruart called, as did Mushroom, the legendary Australian label based in Melbourne. The band flew to Sydney to meet with potential suitors. The story goes the band promised the Ruart people a new song, a new hit to wow them. They didn't actually have this song. God knows why they even promised one. And at the 11th hour and under pressure, they came up with Ordinary Angels. It would be one of their biggest hits. Here's the version they later recorded and released as a single on their second EP, Clunk. From 1992, here's Frente with Ordinary Angels. You get the love for your birthday, baby. Open your eyes and say yes, no, maybe. The box ticks on the core, is it from the world? is silent, you listen like a lover to it. was a great example of everything Frente is about. It's acoustic but peppy. The chords and the ideas from Simon Austin are fantastic, strange yet warmly embracing. But it's Angie's words, her sideways innocent take on the world that connected. There are so many memorable lines in this one song that has come to mean so much to me personally. Something about the song also captured the moment. There was a feel-good, hippie, anti-80s, anti-consumerist version of alternative going on. It was very acoustic, very colourful, very positive. Very, you know, four non-blondes, very blind melon. With their dyed hair and piercings, they exemplified this youthful 90s. In the aftermath of the bidding war, Mushroom won the band and put them on their vaguely alternative imprint called White. The White label plugged Ordinary Angels into their publicity machine and the machine went ding. That second EP, Clunk, which featured the song as the lead track, peaked at number three in the charts in May of 1992. It was the first alternative Australian single to hit the top five since Ratcat. I remember first hearing about the band because Molly Meldrum raved about them on Hey Hey It's Saturday, and suddenly, Frente were hot. Where Angie and Simon were at this point, it has never been made clear. They lived together, but broke up at some point. They still deeply cared for each other and shared a band. Their fortunes were tied together. They would get into fights, big emotional fights, and then make up and write songs. I don't remember if the label or anyone really made it clear that there was a couple in this band, although it wasn't a secret to their friends or the Melbourne scene. And Angie, very underrated as one of Australia's best lyricists, ripped into her own heart for the songs. She had a real talent for turning her emotions into great turns of phrase. Angie has said that some of her best songs came after big fights with Simon. It was a volatile formula. A girl is the word that she... 
Marvin the album followed in December 1992. The single released before the album was Accidentally Kelly Street with Accidentally Misspelt. Written by bassist Tim O'Connor, who wrote several other songs on the album, it was a straight-ahead, simple pop number. It peaked at number four, accompanied by a video of the band in bright colours, dancing on what looked like a children's TV show set. The clip was, let's say, divisive. Here's Accidentally Kelly Street by Frente. Accidentally Kelly Street reminds me of the fate of R.E.M.'s Shiny Happy People. Both songs are sweet, joyous and charming, but in large quantities the sweetness would rot your teeth. Both bands hammed it up in their videos, probably both making the same mistake. I reckon both bands believed that people would take the song in the context of their work to date, which this song was not going to overshadow. But for many people, Shiny Happy People is a lot of what they know about R.E.M. in 1991-92. And Frente, this image of the band would overshadow their existing work and soon be difficult to shake. The film clip is really silly, and the band actually made a second version of the clip down the line. But the song was a hit, so the video was played all the time on chart countdown shows. The song was all over the radio, like Shiny Happy People, or No Rain by Blind Melon, or What's Up by Four Non Blondes. Something about the innocence of that song connected with audiences in the early 90s. The ABC comedy program The Late Show did a brutal parody of the song called Accidentally Was Released, which was just the tip of a backlash. The naivety, the quick success, and this terrible film clip meant that even some of those in the tight-knit Melbourne scene where they started turned against them. There was a horrible moment where Angie went to see the Foves at the Punters Club. Unaware that she was there, the Foves launched into a takedown of Frente and Angie's twee cuteness and sang Ordinary Angels Chorus over and over just horrible stuff. There is nothing like indie kids scorned by fellow success. Still, the album, Marvin the Album, was a success and most Australians didn't know anything about the indie backlash going on in inner city Melbourne. It went platinum in Australia, selling over 70,000 copies and peaked at number five in the album charts. That makes Marvin the Album the first platinum album of the Australian alternative scene of the 90s. They won two arias, Best Breakthrough Artist for Album and Best Breakthrough Artist for Single for Ordinary Angels. Accidentally Kelly Street charted at number 4, and both Ordinary Angels and Accidentally Kelly Street were in the top 30 highest singles in Australia in 1992. I love Marvin the Album, but there's definitely a few tracks I tend to skip. Some tracks are dated horribly, and they sound like naive hippie nonsense. The naivety of youth is just dated and clash against what's really great on the album because the highlights are very high and full of lights. All the singles, Ordinary Angels, Labour of Love, and Accidentally Kelly Street, added to the tracks like the final single, No Time, or The Opener Girl. These are the great songs on the album that weren't about hippie world politics. These were the songs about the much more interesting area of how we do and don't love other people. 
When the band moves away from social to personal, it's incredible. The core of Marvin the Album is those relationship songs, which are as emotionally sophisticated as any that could be described as pop music. From Marvin the Album, he's Frente with No Time. Despite the success, there was an image problem. They were still seen as the naive twee kids, and it was probably partially true. The band wanted to be taken more seriously, and the world around them, this post-Nirvana world, was oh so serious as well. So there was a deliberate course change. New, expensive, and less quirky videos were made for Ordinary Angels, Labor of Love, and of course, accidentally Kelly Street. It put them more in the world of, say, the Cranberries, and primed them for overseas success. Then, in mid-1993, Angie appeared on the cover of Juice magazine, a new Australian music magazine. And she was nude, save for a few strategically placed beads from a long necklace. It was a deliberate attention-seeking move to try and not appear like the naive little girl that people seem to see and hear in her videos and songs. And the headline of the article inside was, No Ordinary Angel. Not long after, Angie Hart cut her hair into a short Vidal Sassoon pixie cut as well. The band headed overseas. They toured with bands like The Beautiful South, which would have been a fantastic bill, and Everything But The Girl. Through their connection with Mushroom, Marvin the Album was released in the US on Mammoth, a label that Mushroom licensed in Australia. In the UK, the album was released through Mushroom's new UK office. Mammoth in the US had just been picked up by Atlantic Records, so this was essentially a US major label deal. For Simon and Angie, they were no longer a couple, but still had to face each other every day. Angie says she suffered from depression and was at times suicidal whilst on tour. It wasn't healthy. A new version of Marvin the Album was released internationally in 1994, 18 months or so after it came out in Australia. By now, drummer Mark had left and his songs were taken off the album. They were replaced by a couple of new singles. One was Lonely, a lovely new track. Lonely was different from the tracks on Marvin the album. It featured an electric guitar and a more solid beat. And it wasn't acoustic. This was more dreamy and mysterious. It was beautiful and strange with no big chorus. It's an important track in the career of Frente and a signal of where the band would go next. It was released on an EP called Lonely in Australia, so fans back home could get the new songs without buying an import version of Marvin the Album. Here's Lonely by Frente.
The Lonely EP also featured a collaboration with American indie legends Ween, who Frente became friends with. They filled out the rest of the EP with covers. One was a cover of Chris Knox's Not Given Lightly. It's a key track in the New Zealand alternative music scene, whatever their whole that means, bro, and one of the best songs ever. And then one more cover, a quickly dashed off acoustic version of New Order's Bizarre Love Triangle, with just Simon on guitar and Angie singing. I love New Order, and amongst the main reasons I love that band, the lyrics aren't one of them. But Angie turned the lyrics into something deep. Triple J started playing Bizarre Love Triangle. It's a gorgeous version, almost disturbingly direct and emotional. Sometimes all you need is a song and a voice. It's certainly connected, coming in at number 56 in the Triple J Hottest 100 and pushing the Lonely EP to number 7 in the ARIA charts. Their cover was included in the international version of Marvin the album and was sent to radio stations who picked it up. Here's Frente's version of Bizarre Love Triangle. Every time I think of you, I get a shot right through into a bolt of blue. It's no problem of mine, but it's a problem I find. Living a life that I can't leave behind. There's no sense in telling me the wisdom of a fool won't set you free. But that's the way that it goes, and it's what nobody knows. And every day my confusion grows. Every time I see you falling, I get down on my knees and pray. I'm waiting for that final moment. You say the words that I can't. Bizarre Love Triangle was also a minor hit in the UK where it charted at 79. It did even better in the US where it charted at 49. And the New Order original only ever hit 98. It was picked up by US college radio and if you meet an American who has heard of Frente, it's because of this song. Apart from Savage Garden and Silverchair, it's the most successful song by an Australian band in the US Billboard chart in the 90s. On the back of that success, the US version of Marvin the Album made it to number 75 in the US charts. They toured with Cannon Crows, They Might Be Giants, Everything But The Girl and Frank Black of the Pixies. Frente was starting to find the indie rock road that fit them. Marvin the Album would ultimately sell 750,000 copies. The course change was working to some degree. I'll get down on my knees and pray I'm waiting for the final But while Marvin the album was starting to connect with international audiences, the internal relationships cracked under the pressure. Once again, and not for the last time, a band who were loved back home found themselves in a new country, starting from the bottom. Tim O'Connor left the band in 1994, just before the band went to Spain, of all places, to record their second album. Making their second album wasn't the smoothest process. Simon Austin had been very hands-on in the studio for their previous recordings. For whatever reasons, whether it was musical, professional or personal, he was sidelined for this album. He supplied the songs but had less say in the recording process. The boss would be British producer David M. Allen, who had produced The Cure. Angie and Simon wrote everything at this time, with some co-writes within the band. After a long, troubled recording, they had an album that they called Shape. Here's the first single and the opening track from Shape, the wonderful, inventive Sit On My Hands. In my life, 
This was not the work of a cutesy acoustic band anymore. There's not even an acoustic guitar on it. The drums were loud and the electric guitar was buzzy. Even the gorgeous film clip was a spooky psych circus. This is a serious album of darker beauty. I'm going to say this because it's my podcast and I get to say things like this. But Frente's Shape is one of the greatest Australian albums ever made. The songs were reportedly difficult to write, but are easily their best and most consistent. It's also a heartbreaker, a breakup record. Angie put all her feelings into the record and line after line, song after song, you can hear the honesty and the hurt. This is the Aussie 90s indie Fleetwood Mac or Joni Mitchell. There's not a bad song on here, but not only is it a great album, it's also a great album marred by one of the worst album covers I have ever seen. It's hard to describe, but it's a bunch of fingers made into a flower, I guess? Look it up on the internet, it's awful. Still, the track Goodbye Good Guy might be their greatest achievement. It's about Simon and Angie, and like their best work, every lyric is killer. Angie really shines on this album. According to Simon Austin, this is a key song for them, and he imagines it will be played at every Frente show ever. It is, in my mind, their signature song. It's a towering work in a career of songs that dissect human relationships. Here's Frente with Goodbye Good Guy. I feel like my feet have forgotten the way to your door. Unlike the brittle and casual Marvin the album, this album sounded like a million bucks. Simon had less to say about the production, but he threw himself into the guitar playing. His inventive musicianship shows in his weird and mad guitar work. There's plenty of noise and dissonance to match Angie's sweet voice breaking my heart on top. It reminds me of the best work of Beth Orton a few years too early to catch on to that sort of acoustic come down dance scene. There were comparisons to everything but the girl, or the sad sack sideways pop of the shins or badly drawn boy or Amy man, things that would come five or so years later. I don't know how much more I can say it, it's just inventive, emotional songwriting at its best. Here's another of the singles, the wonderful What's Come Over Me by Frente, from their album Shape.
The shape failed to match anywhere near the success of Marvin the album. It charted at 35 and then fell away. None of the singles cracked the top 50. What's Come Over Me did okay on Triple J, coming in at number 66 in the hottest 100 of 96. The songs were all over Rage and Recovery, and it got great reviews. But it had been four years since the Australian public was charmed by this quirky girl and her quirky band and her quirky songs. They were almost starting again as the audience that they wanted in 1996 weren't the one that they found in 1992. They were fighting against what they had already built. Single after single was released. It's always a bad sign when the record company seems to be putting out a new single every week because none of them were bothering the charts and they were just throwing songs at the wall to see if radio would pick anything up. And they mostly didn't. I love the album, but even for me, I was initially weirded out by it too. In 1996, Frente supported Alanis Morissette in both Canada and Australia. She was still riding high from the billion-selling Jagged Little Pill album. I went to see the show in Sydney, mainly to see Frente, getting there early to buy a Frente Shape t-shirt. It was a cool long-sleeve one and I have no idea where it's gone, but let me just assure you, it was awesome. And as much as scoring that awesome t-shirt was important to my life, it was on that tour that Angie met her husband Jesse Tobias. Tobias was Alanis Morissette's guitar player. Her on-again, off-again relationship with Simon finally ended. After some more tough touring that was promoting a tanking album that was difficult to make in the first place, it was over. The band broke up before 1996 ended. There wasn't much fanfare when they did. Oddly, Simon Austin didn't really continue with music. Angie Hart, however, continued, like most people probably assumed she would. She moved to the US with Jesse Tobias. The pair made an album under the name Splendid, taking over the record deals that Frente held. So they were signed to Mushroom and Mammoth. Everyone knew that Angie was a talent, and maybe Splendid could make it work where Frente did not. Released in 1999, the Splendid album was called Have You Got A Name For It? The title is a line from one of the songs, but also a joke about how they couldn't come up with a better name. They worked hard on the album and tried to play the game by existing rules. They made demos for their labels Mammoth and their new owners Disney, taking on board all the label suggestions and playing ball. The first single was the wonderful Less Than Zero. You got a way of saying anything You get a way with saying it to me when you want to And I let you and you can play the game like I never Have You Got A Name For It by Splendid is another fantastic 5 star album in my books. I have worn out my copy and I can sing you every track. If Shape was the emotional look at a relationship gone wrong, Have You Got A Name For It was the troubles of a relationship going right. It's messier and murkier, but joyful and pop. Hart and Tobias were living in LA, 
near Buffy the Vampire Slayer creator Joss Whedon. Whedon had no idea about Angie Hart's pop career back in Australia, he just knew he loved her voice. And Angie Hart appeared in two episodes of Buffy and Whedon's other show, Firefly. Her music is used in several episodes. One of the best Splendid tracks, Charge, was initially included in the Buffy soundtrack. Here's Splendid with Charge. Splendid's album never came out in America. The label was folded into Disney, and Disney never took up the option to release. They actually sent out promo copies already. Without the American backing, it was given a token release in Australia, and Angie barely promoted the album. Frente's shape didn't connect with their old audience, and they couldn't find a new one. But Splendid didn't even get a chance. For the critics who heard it, they all loved it and said it was great. But it was another critically acclaimed classic that went nowhere. Splendid continued, and they even sent some new songs to radio that have never been properly released. In 2004, five years after that debut album, they released an EP on the wonderful Melbourne label Pop Boomerang. But Splendid broke up after that, with Angie and Jesse getting divorced. Moving back to Australia, there has been some Frente reunion activity. The band is just Simon and Angie these days with backing musicians. A new wonderful EP called Try To Think Less was also released on Pop Boomerang in 2005. It was led by the song Same, as great as any single the band has released, full of hooks, heartbreak and humour. From the 2005 EP Try To Think Less, here's Frente with Same. It's me, I have returned. recorded two solo albums, Grounded Bird in 2007 and Eat My Shadow in 2009. And yes, you know what I'm going to say, both are brilliant. If you got a mixtape from me at some point in the late 2000s, it's probably an Angie Hart track on there. Although there has been no new music from Angie since 2009, and I miss her. Some Frente reunion shows followed, along with the classic album shows and a reissue of Marvin the Album, 
featuring all their early EP work. They also played a part in the Pundas Club reunion show. The original venue closed in 2002, but a bunch of bands that got their start there got together for some shows in 2010. It brought them full circle. As of 2023, Frente have reunited again. Marvin the album was released on vinyl for the first time, and more and more, Angie and Simon have reclaimed their legacy. They've also said a few words about new music. Frente were historically important in that they were early pioneers in the Australian indie scene. They stood apart from the guitar rock and brought an important fragility to the sometimes macho Australian music scene. The children of Frente are all over Australian music. The Waifs, Sarah Blasco, Missy Higgins and more. If you've gotten to this point, you'll know that I'm a big fan of the band. So I often find myself talking up the band, saying stupid things that a fan says like Simon Austin was a great guitar player or bass player Tim O'Connor wrote some of their best songs and other nerdy shit. But really, the undeniable element of what made Frente so special was Angie Hart. There's a lot to say about her crazy life, even in the 16 years before she formed Frente, and she took all that feeling, romance, anxiety and passion and sang her fucking heart out. She said in an interview that she was writing a memoir. I can't wait to read it, although it might as well just be her collected lyrics. But like the Hummingbirds, Clouds and Ratcat, Frente couldn't find success internationally by just touring. They started with a bang as audiences were hungry for something different, but they were late to follow up the success and got typecast in their early image. Their fate obscures some of the best songwriting of the 90s, and the system was stacked against them. They just got eaten up by the machine like a lot of bands, All that hard touring was seen as normal in the 90s, but it damaged the mental health of a lot of these bands. Doing 200 shows a year in the US was fine for like blokey bands like In Excess or Midnight Oil. Not everyone is made for that kind of life. We just didn't have the mental health framework we do today to describe why it was so wrong. Especially a band like Frente who didn't do that much hard touring at home. For me, Angie was one of the first female singers I loved and before I made any female friends. It was like I was learning about a new world, an 11-year-old who probably imagined love was like a Frente song. Frente's growth matched mine. Those naive, innocent songs on Marvin the album came when I was 11. The overwhelming emotions of the first high school heartbreak came at 15 when Shape came out. The unsteady confusion of trying to make a promising relationship work at 19 coincided with Splendid's only album. So thank you, Angie, for always being the older sister who was there for me to talk to. I sometimes think I'm too harsh on Marvin the album. There's a couple of data tracks, but there's a spine of beautiful, timeless love songs. Most versions of the album come with Bizarre Love Triangle, let alone all those early big singles like Ordinary Angels and Labor of Love. It sold hundreds of thousands of copies around the world, and a lot of people love it. But I really can't say enough good things about Shape. Marvin the album has great singles, but Shape is an album. Their legacy isn't their quirkiness. It's a legacy of love and heartbreak songs that make up half of Marvin and all of Shape. Shape never got a chance, but it should have made them a big band in the alternative era. It feels like Frente still live on. People remember them. I still hear them occasionally on the radio. I heard them at my local swimming pool this past Australia Day, alongside Australian radio classics from all through the decades. That shiny ding-dong guitar of Accidentally Kelly Street sounded pretty sweet on a hot summer day. Another part of their legacy is the several hundred solo acoustic covers of Bizarre Love Triangle on YouTube. Search Frente Cover and prepare to take a few days off work. 
there's dozens and dozens of female solo artists or duos doing the frente arrangement. You can't deny that frente cover version works. But probably the funnest part of their legacy for me is an illustrated children's book that adapted Accidentally Kelly Street. Illustrated by Bryony Stewart, it is not only super sweet, it fixes the spelling of accidentally. The only real crime for that song was that it was released at a time when music was serious and diversity was shrinking. Decades later, sure, why not have another sweet song in the world? In 2005, Sydney band Modern Giant released a tribute to Angie Hart. It was called Angie Hart and produced by the Hummingbirds' Simon Holmes. The song, Half Spoken Word, is about a Sydney person imagining what it would be like to move to Melbourne. To do all the Melbourne cliches of watching AFL, wearing beanies, drinking Melbourne bitter. And in that fantasy, he bumps into Angie Hart. Because it's the images that Angie Hart painted in her songs. This romantic indie Melbourne. It's a song I love by a band I love. Here's Modern Giant with Angie Hart. And I said to her, Claire, do you know what made me want to move to Melbourne? Angie Hart made me want to move to Melbourne. Yeah, and fall in love and drink coffee and sit in cafes and drink beer and have a genuine use for the many beanies that I've collected over the years. And love, 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 love. Will you get the picture? On the website, I've put together the usual video and music playlists, including my version of Frente's Best Of. But it's not over. Hopefully that memoir will come out. Hopefully there's new music. It's been too long since I had a good chat with Australian Alternative Music's older sister. Look, to end, a favourite of mine from 1996's well-underrated Shape. Not a single, not anything, just another good song from an underrated album. Here's Frente with Air. Thanks for listening and welcome to the end bit, the bit about supporting the podcast. Now, there's lots of ways to support, no cost ways and paid ways. There's lots of links in the description and each week I'm just going to highlight one of them. So the big one is Patreon. Like so many independent podcasts, Patreon is how it happens. My one, there's only one tier and it's $3 a month and it helps to pay for the podcast hosting, the website hosting, software and other bits and pieces. I hate podcast ads, so why not have one less podcast ad in the world? There's not much that I offer in terms of bonuses and not because I don't want to, I don't really have great ideas for them. I don't really want to put any of the story behind a paywall as sort of bonus episodes. I do share with patrons an ebook of all the scripts, which I hope to turn into a book one day. But if there's anything you can think of, hey, happy to do it, just let me know. 
But yeah, consider supporting me on Patreon. It's way less than your average vinyl album a year. It's just a tad more than a third of the cost of the new 20th anniversary reissue of Delta Goodrum's Innocent Eyes on vinyl. So that's how you can rank it. There's also other stuff, and the links are in the description like I said, such as the tipping service called Buy Me A Coffee, and there's stuff that you can buy on Redbubble. There's also no cost ways to support, like sharing this podcast to your friends, giving me a 5 star review on Apple Podcasts, and maybe even telling someone in person. I know, crazy right? But that's enough of that. You can stay in touch on all the social medias and the mailing list, and visit the website. Links are in the description, and the username is just ace 90 s Back with more next week, and next week it's time to look at what else happened in 1992. Thanks for listening. <laughs>